Hello and welcome to this episode of the Cisco Technology Podcast and it's Justin Woolen here and you can contact the show at, at Justin Woolen or via email at justin.woolen at cisco.com and that's two O's and one L. So I've uh, managed to sneak away from Mark in this episode because we actually went uh, outside of our normal offices where we record this and we went to a place called Ideal London. And in there, they were having a, an event for our customers talking about DNA or our digital network architecture. And I thought it'd be a really good idea to do some interviews there. So I've interviewed some of the people who were presenting there and also some of the customers and then a partner there as well. So um, have a listen. Hope you enjoy. Okay, one thing I haven't done is I haven't asked you to introduce yourself, Sarah. Yeah, so uh, I'm Sarah Eccleston. I'm the director of EN. And I am uh, thrilled to be here today because uh, apparently there have been EN podcasts created by yourself for over a year now, and this is actually the first time I've ever been invited on one. I, I so know, I'm, I am a bad person. Yeah. Well, you should be happy and, and honoured to be on the podcast. I am, I'm honoured, I'm honoured. I wish it was a year ago, but I'm maybe well, here eventually. You're, you're a busy person. <laughs> you are busy. Let's nice try. I know. But I'm, I'm glad to be here today, so thank wonderful. you. Wonderful. Right. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. So, Sarah, that was... That was a great session because I've seen a couple of DNA ones before, but you always talk about it in a slightly different way, don't you? And you always tell about a lot more uh, customer examples and you talked about sort of the transformation yeah. of the network. I found that really interesting. Yeah. So the thing to think about is that change and transformation are two different things, right? Change is what you get when you look at a problem and you think of some different solutions. But transformation is what you get when you look at the same problem and you ask a whole load of different questions. And that's what we've done with networks. You know, for many years, our, our boxes, if you want to call them that, have got faster, you know, we've got better speeds and feeds, added another few features. That is not what DNA is, right? DNA is not a change or a tweak to the network like that. It's a radically different way. It's a transformation of providing networks, right? So it's, um, it's about... Um, not looking at a router and saying, okay, how can we make it quicker to implement features on the router, but actually saying, why do we need a router? Why don't we virtualize all that software and, and, and decouple all the software functionality that's in the router from the control plane, from the routing of traffic, as it were, and why don't we put that on a server? Because we know we can implement that really quickly, and we know that we can get that application and that, that feature to the customer quicker. So why do we need a router? Why don't we do it that way? Why don't we virtualize it? And that's how Cisco came out with ENFE. So what's yeah. ENFE? ENFE is exactly that. So ENFE is the enterprise version of NFE, which is Network Functionality Virtualization. So it's virtualizing those network functions, those software elements, on a server instead of leaving them on your router. Completely different way. It means that instead of selling a router to the customer for that functionality, you're selling them software and a server. Oh. And so that's one example. Another example is why, you know, why do we look and say, okay, it takes this many lines of CLI code. Because that was the one, because you called that, was it a number like seven, six, over 6,000 lines of features and functionality There's as well? 3,800 features. 3,000, did I get 6,000 from there? Because it's a CAT 6,000. Oh, that's why you called it. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's all these features. And, you know, I just asked the audience, how many of you have implemented them all? And, of course, the answer is nobody has because it would take you forever to implement them all. And then by the time you'd done it, you'd want to make a change and that would you know, take you a month to change them. It, it's, it's just not possible to, to implement all the features and functionality that they want. And even something as simple as changing the priority of an application in QoS, you know, that can take them weeks. If they've got a managed service, they have to, um, they have to ask for a change request 
it can take them weeks to get an application change. It's not like we go on our iPhone and we do it, we download a yeah. new app in a couple of minutes. It can take them weeks. Well, that's not sustainable. So why does it take them? And, and instead of looking at you know that situation and saying how do we um, make it faster? How do we make it a bit less CLI, a few less CLI commands to do it? Why why do we do why do we need CLI commands to do that at all? Why don't we have a network that can orchestrate itself? So now we have this APIC EM server, which means a customer now just tells the APIC EM what it wants to do, and the APIC EM tells all the network nodes, all the routers, all the switches what it wants to do. So it's automated, it's virtualized, it's a completely different way. It's a transformation of networking. So I'm joined by Alan O'Reilly and another co- uh, contributor to the most downloaded podcast ever, Justin Rowling, at uh, Tech Huddle today, uh, down at Ideal in London. So what are you guys going to be talking about today? Uh, so today we're going to talk around uh, APIM and some of the things you can do with it. So it's a module we've called uh, APIM Art of the Possible. Art of the Possible. Very nice. Did you think of that one, Justin? Uh, no, I just read it off uh, Sarah Eccleston's slide. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So what's this Art of the Possible then? Well, we're just doing some some of the demos we've done quite a few times before, but you know they always get good reception. And the key thing is... They're demos that people can see and think, oh, that's quite cool, but then they can learn how they actually work and they can recreate them for themselves. And I think that's the really key thing is building people's confidence. So are these demos that are sort of online that they can just do or these, do they need to download yeah, the, the APIC controller? Or? A com- well, so you need a controller somewhere, but the great thing about uh, dCloud is you don't need, for, for, if you want to teach yourself to script um, you know, or use the APIs of the APIKM, you can use the... Uh, the sandbox uh, in dCloud. So dCloud, um, just for anyone listening, is our cloud-based demonstration f- functionality that customers, partners, and Cisco people can use to learn how to demonstrate or to demonstrate or see functionality of our technologies, whether it's security, um, uh, analytics, yeah. anything, everything, everything yeah. that we do. All you can the demos, yeah. So dcloud.cisco.com. And, you know, and, and have a look around all the demos that Cisco people and partners used to do and build somewhere in the yeah. world and spend you know, weeks, months, years building and maintaining. Many of those now have been sort of moved to the cloud um, and it means they're super scalable and they're really well documented. They're maintained by a, a core group of people so they, you know, they mostly work as opposed to working some of the time that most of us yeah, yeah, because that's always been a challenge, isn't it? When when we've always built our own demonstrate demo yeah. pods, and then we've got to keep maintaining them, and keep them working, things like that, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we're talking. We're going to talk about this a little bit in the presentation. One of the things about SDN and automation is about reducing the overheads of operating a network. But actually, anyone who's ever had a lab and, and maintained it is uh, it's effectively an operational network. It has to work, you know, when you need it to work, and. Um, you can guarantee it, it will break at the most inconvenient time. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so is that just it then? So, you, in, in this art of the possible. Yeah. So we we did cover what the base functionality of APKM, but then we sort of uh, towards the end we start using it as a platform. So what we've actually created is a mashup. So we've taken Cisco Spark, a tool that would be normally considered a collaboration tool, where you can collaborate with your colleagues. And what we've actually done is made APKM into a bot. 
so we can actually now start to just chat with the network. And what's a bot for, for the special people like myself? So a bot is all the rage these days. So you can think of a bot as just being something that you can speak to in, in English, natural language. So you don't actually have to speak to it in programming language no, no. or code. So that makes me happy because I hated it when I was at school learning how yeah. to do BBC Basic and Pascal. No, I struggled. Alan's bot is actually so advanced it's indistinguishable from a human being. <laughs> is it? <laughs> well, as, long as, you, as long as you speak in a Scottish accent, then you're fine. <laughs> No, you have to type in the Scottish accent. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to show your bot then, if, if, and that's spot, your, your bot, your bot, not your bottom, your bot. Uh, you shake your bot. Uh, see, you got me thinking about all different things now um, that I shouldn't be thinking about. Uh, so you say, so what's what's this this bot that you have, and what does it do with this sparky thing? So the bot we've got basically can can handle troubleshooting. So rather than today, troubleshooting is a sort of box-to-box type thing where you're, where you're actually doing an investigation of the network and exploring what's wrong with it. We just ask the bot what's wrong with the network. So we can just say Alice is supposed to be connected to the network. So we can just ask the network, is Alice connected? And if she is, where is she connected? And we, we can use that as a basis. We can find out what Alice is trying to speak to. So is Alice trying to speak to the Outlook server or is Alice trying to speak to Bob? And then we can ask, does Alice have a path to Outlook? Does Alice have a path to Bob? And we can actually So ask, just speak in normal language instead of thinking, yeah. like, in my head, this is what I need to test. What's the command to do that? I just remember doing that on my, uh, my CC, yeah. CC, CCMP exam, my troubleshooting exam. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know if it is, but you've just now automated by going... Is, is Alice connected? Can they reach this, yeah. that, and the other? And so it's classic automation, really. It's something in the old days a manager might ask one of his engineers to go and look into this. Now you're effectively asking the bot to do because you know the simple things. Um, you know the, the bot can do them uh, quicker um, than you know any human can. So because you know, we sit there and be thinking, I'll be, be, be pressing question mark and and tab. And uh, on, on yeah. the command line, trying to get there. What what uh, what commands are I need to do? Remind yourself what you did, especially you know something that you you maybe only do you know once a year. Well, that's the thing though with the nature of networks, though, isn't it? Is that you put them in, you configure them up, they get working, and then you leave them. Exactly. And so, is it something that you mean? Are you every day on CLI? Most probably not. Yeah. So oh, that's really that's really interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. And the nice thing about it as well, so it can do all the simple stuff, but if it does get a bit complicated, you can just ask the bot to raise a case on, say, ServiceNow or any of your case management tools, and it will raise the case. It will also pre-populate it with all the debugging and troubleshooting that it had done. So, and, and, and how hard is it to create these, this, this, these bots? So it's actually very simple. So we've got uh, on DevNet, so developer.cisco.com, we've got some learning labs. So we can actually take you from Python 101, Hello World, right through to creating a bot that starts to interact with APKM. Wow. So it's not even that hard anymore, is it? It's like we're automating the automation or we're making it really simple and it's not hard. Yeah. Why are we just making this so easy? Down. We're all like getting us, doing ourselves out of a job. There'll always be something to do. There always is. But it, what we're getting rid of are the boring jobs. That's the, that's the really key thing. Yeah. We're getting rid of the things that are stressful, troubleshooting in real time, um, 
and so we can get on and do the interesting work which is playing with the next generation of the network or the, the application um, and getting that ready and you know that's how much of the IT world has worked for a long time nobody sort of builds things as they go along but networks have quite often been like that in, in the past and we're going to move to a model where we you know we get things right in the lab and then we test them in development and then we test them in pre-production um, and then you know the move to production will be much more automated uh, but also much less stressful wow so we're taking the stress out of networking by using bots yes amongst other amongst other things <laughs> other terms, such as apic em all right good thanks very much so I'm joined by Simon today, who did a discussion uh, at the Tech Huddle on ENFE, That's right. which is <laughs> Enterprise Network Function Virtualization. Yeah. So yeah. What, what was it, what was the sort of auspices of what you were talking about? So ENFE is uh, a new framework we're bringing to market in order to deploy and manage and orchestrate our virtual network functions. Now we've had virtual network functions for some time. Um, but what we're doing is we're bringing in a management and orchestration framework to support that. So it's, just so I've got this right, so we've had virtual routers, that's yeah. what we're talking about, virtual, we're talking virtual about function, virtual firewalls, virtual... What, so, so we're talking about uh, ISRV, so, which is yeah. a virtual, uh, virtual IOS router. Yeah. We're talking about virtual ISA, virtual WAS, virtual wireless LAN controller. Yeah. They're the primary four virtual network forwarders we're talking of today. Yeah. And also support in the future for third-party virtual network forwarders. So yeah. you know, some of our competitors have virtual network forwarding, so we're not actually uh, discriminating against them completely. Uh, but it's kind of customer choice. We're going, yeah. we're going to give you a platform that you'll be able to deploy your exactly. virtual functions uh, on. And that's the interesting thing of what are you going to be deploying those virtual functions on. So um, there's a range of platforms that support, support it. So if you look at the components of uh, ENFE, is first off you have the virtual network functions. Then we've got an underlying software infrastructure, which is called NFVIS, Network, Funct network Function Virtualization you gonna, Infrastructure. You've got so many acronyms, we're going to be yeah. tripping up all day. <laughs> yeah, infrastructure software, which is an optimized software for these VNFs. Yeah. And that can reside on a number of hardware platforms. So it has to be on a, uh, an, an x86-based platform, okay. which today will be an ISR4K with a UCSE, UCSE So that's our routers with a uh, server yeah. or a, module in it? Yeah, or a UCSC series, which is the rack server. Yeah. Uh, and a new platform we brought out, which is called the ENCS, which is the Enterprise Network Control System. Ah. And that is a server with router functionality. On. So you've got a router that does that can do with a server built in. Yeah. You've got a server, yeah. that, a traditional server that has... Uh, it's just a traditional just, server. Just a server so, that has routing functionality, virtual routing functionality, yeah. and other functionality yeah. that can be de de deployed on it. And then you have sort of the hybrid, which is a... Server with router hardware. So that would be sort of the, the WAN interfaces. Yeah, then, so it? It's, it, it comes with uh, a NIM slot, a network interface module slot, which uh, if you take the standard NIMs from a, an ISR4K, you can and put them, slot into, them in as well. into an ENCS. So it would take them. Uh, it won't support all of them day one. So no, it, you can never support everything on day yeah, one, can so you? So there's a subset, which is LTE, DSL. Um, oh, so it would be DSL and uh, like 4G then type yeah, stuff. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, it also comes with uh, two onboard gigabit Ethernet ports, which can be used as WAN ports. 
as well because uh, if you're well. presented yeah because you could have something present, a lot of bands yeah. present as Ethernet now yeah. anyway don't they and uh, an 8 port um, Ethernet switch uh, is embedded uh, which can you have the option to have that PLE enabled so wow uh, and it's so the way in which when which we service chain VNFs, we leverage uh, Open vSwitch within the NFVIS. Okay, can you just explain that a bit more? For, so, for the uh, layman so, like myself. So if I have uh, a ISRV and I have a, a virtual ISA, yeah. yeah, and I need to connect those two together, ah. I have to connect them with inside the box. Yeah, and what we're using not physically but not virtually, physically, virtually. Yeah, and we're using a virtual switch. Ah, right, uh, okay. Which is open source. So it's just an open source, source, open source switch that will allow you to connect the two virtual machines, yeah. or virtual functions together, and then you can. Do you still apply like sort of if you were on a network, would you still apply sort of ACLs and, and yeah. sort of control and security so you can manage what traffic yeah. flows between these yes. two devices? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So uh, as if it was a, as, as if it was a real device. Yeah. yeah the, 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 the thing with using Open vSwitch is if I'm just using a traditional x86 server, so yeah. UCSC or UCSC, then when packets traverse the Open vSwitch, it's consuming resource from the CPU. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's taken an interrupt to actually take a packet through yeah. the hardware, uh, which can constrain performance, introduce latency on the traffic flow through. Between the devices, yeah, because anything with the CPU yeah. is going everything has to go via the CPU, yeah. it's like yeah. it's like multitasking on a human, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You can, so, well, I can only ever think of one thing at a time, anyway. So. so, one of the advantages of ENCS is we've hardware accelerated that traffic, so we've hardware ah. accelerated the open vSwitch, so we're not relying on CPU interrupts, we're, ah. we're using a technology, and I, so we just put an extra hardware, so it'll be memory and CPU, yeah, we're, we're, we're using a, a I think it's probably about a 10 year old technology known as SR. IOV, single root input output virtualization, oh, right, okay. which allows us to uh, share the PCI bus. And oh, right, okay. Effectively allows us to hardware offload packet shipping. So oh, right, okay. So, we, so we're, we're making up for the so in in on a, on a one of our ISR routing platforms. Then, yeah. It's a we've got extra we've got dedicated hardware for data plane and uh, uh, control plane yeah. to help to make sure when traffic's flowing it's yeah. flowing and we're not interrupting it. But in the old days it was one CPU and yeah. and everything was doing the same again. And that same challenge still resides within a sort of an x86 platform. Yeah. So what we're doing is going if you want something a bit more robust that does one interfaces, then that's where the ENCS comes in because yeah. you've you've hardenized the, the hardened the, the actual. CPU processing and all that sort of piece by what we talked about and also allowing people to or customers to use specific interface like 4G and, and yeah. DSL as well yeah. wow um, but it doesn't fit every scenario no yeah, so okay. if you want to so if, if you've got an ISR 4K and you're using PVDMs and vo voice PVDMs packet voice I'm going to keep doing this Simon I'll keep doing it because I don't know myself so, so um it's a packet demux. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to put voice to... Voice packets. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so it'll be analog to digital type stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's doing the analog to digital conversion. Voice. There you go. Yeah. I'm going back to my old days of telephony um, now. So, yeah, and if you want to use things like SRST, things like yeah. So any voice services, then it has to be an ISR 4K. Yeah. The NCS is going to support that. Yeah, because yeah. It, that takes a lot of processing power, yeah. doesn't it? As well. yeah. So it's a nice tool for that job, though, isn't it? You mean, the ENCS... From, from what you're saying, it's not going to do, suit everybody, no. and neither x86 is going to suit everybody, and neither, and maybe, and the ISR 4K router isn't going to solve every problem. 
but out of the three of them, it's the right tool for the right yeah. job. Yeah. If I need a router that does some that has virtual functionality using the x86 platform that's built in, then go for that. If I want something that just, you know, I'm happy with x86 and, and running virtual function, that's fine. I can use x86. And if I want to use, I want something in between, then you've got the right job. So, they, I mean, between all three platforms, I think most customers are going to have the right yeah. tool for the right job. Is that, yeah. is that uh, a fair uh, thing, sir? That's a fair thing. Okay, cool. And the real power behind all of this yeah. is what we call ESA, which is Enterprise Services Automation. Okay. We just think enterprise in front of everything, yeah, now, don't we? Right. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so that is an application that sits within the APIC EM framework. Yeah, and we've talked about that on, on previous podcasts right. as well with uh, Justin uh, Rowling. Yeah. Yeah, just... so, um, so what ESA does allows us to automate the provisioning of virtual network forwarders that are residing on NFEIS. Okay. Yeah. Quite hard to describe on a podcast. It's an excellent demos on on DCloud. Yeah, oh, we talked about DCloud already. And there's some videos on Cisco.com. Yeah, which will provide. And I think it's just, but it's the it's the it's the way of how do you automate the way of or make it easy to um, deploy a virtual function without sitting there on the machine loading it up and then pre-deploying it and doing pre-deployment because you imagine now if I've got a virtual machine sorry if I've got a x86 platform in some shape or form whether it's in a, a 4k router a on, a on an x86 UCS C series or sitting on an ENCS box but I want to deploy that I don't want to go and drop it in every branch I need to have to go physically touch every branch I want to be able just to throw it out there just use the, the network or use the connectivity that so I have. if I give you an example of something like an ENCS yeah, what I can do is I can go into my ESA portal yeah. Yeah, and I can say right, I'm going to deploy ENCS at this branch Yeah. yeah uh, I need an ISRV and it's going to have this profile it's going to have this, these IP yeah. addresses it's going to have um, uh, this username yeah. password etc uh, I need an ASAV, and I need an ASAV connected to the ISO. Yeah. And also, I need some VWAS. Yeah? So, I actually draw this out. I've got some icons in the ASA. On, on, on the app itself, the app, yeah, yeah. Connect them up together, put in some of the variables, yeah, and uh, it's just sitting there ready for deployment. Now, when I go and deploy my ENCS, yeah, I can leverage a plug and play. Plug and play app that's in the APIC, yeah. That's on ENCS or on APIC. So yeah. it can talk to APIC EMs, plug and play. It can go to our cloud plug and play. Now, what that does, it will come, it will initialize the network function virtualization infrastructure software. Yeah. So it brings that up, brings that live, brings that up to the network. Yeah. And then we'll initialize each one of those virtual network functions that I deployed as a template yeah. and configure them correctly for the site. Yeah. So, how does that, and that will yeah. take between five and seven minutes from plugging in to actually having a live site up and working with WAS, Firewall and ISO. See, the one thing that sticks in my mind is that when I played around with virtual machines before, they're not small in the sense of a, of a memory of size. As in, so how do I get it? So how do you get it? Those those virtual virtual functions onto the boxes onto that onto right. that x86 box. So when I when I purchase. Uh, EMCS or if I purchase a 4K with UCSE yeah. now, what I would do is I'd buy NFEIS with a license yeah. and there's a couple of different licenses the structure, the pricing is fluid at the moment yeah, yeah. But, there's, okay. but, but, but I can get a license that includes ISRV I can get a license that includes ISRV, ASAV yeah. so on and so forth so you buy the so license then is yeah, it when you yeah. purchase it but the software 
NFEIS yeah. and those OVAs are loaded. At the are they preloaded? So they're already on so, there. So, the OVAs so it's about just all it is is about just bringing them up and, have, and buying the license yeah. to you, to allow you to use them. Yeah. So I'm not, oh, there we are. I'm not TFTPing anything. Oh, because that's the bit in my head. Yeah. I thought you're going to be downloading. You're going, oh, okay, I got to download this and download that. But if they're all coming out and they're just sitting there idle, yeah. then that's, that's great. Yeah. That is yeah, awesome. Clearly, if you want to upgrade the software at some stage. Oh, then you're going you're to have to. But then the thing is that there's ways you plan it, and especially if you're over maybe a, a low bandwidth link or you mean maybe over ADSL, it's something that you would plan and you can automate that process. So you don't, you can work out how you want to do that that's best for, for that situation and for that branch or whatever functionality or what, what services you're delivering there. But it, it, it sounds quite, yeah. quite interesting. Yeah, it's good, it's, isn't it? It's a neat solution. Yeah, it is. Simon, thank you very much. Is there anything else? Uh, no, I think that's good. Is it? Oh, Simon, thank you so much. Thanks for your okay. time. No brilliant. Cheers. Excellent. Thank you. So I'm joined by uh, people who are attending the tech holiday from Softcat. So what are the kind of, and what I want is, is what are the kind of things that stood out for you? Uh, for me, it's Iran. Iran. Yeah, Iran's been a message that you guys have been doing for quite some time. Um, but it's coming to fruition also with our customer base um, where customers are looking to look at ways of shaping the traffic across their WAN, um, optimising that traffic and, and segregating it. So is it is it because of the internet or connecting to the internet or using the internet as an alternative or is it just having that level of control and automation and visibility? No, of, it's of probably, internet? yeah, all of those, but it's utilising their connectivity as efficiently as possible. Okay, very good. Anyone else? I, th- I would say the APKM aspect of things, we've got the... We went for some training earlier, and they did share the sandbox link with us. So we have been doing some internal training around the, the different aspects, plug and play, the path trace, the ability to kind of troubleshoot, yeah. the integration with other aspects like Dropbox, Spark. Yeah, that, that kind of stuff seemed quite cool. I mean, in the, in the training we did, the, the, we were able to, we were able to actually talk to the API as well using yeah. the voice recognition. Obviously, we didn't demonstrate that, we didn't see that here today, but that's those are aspects which. which are quite cool, I would think. Is that something that you're, you see your customers asking? Are they asking for it now? Or is there something more around your customers thinking, do you know what, this will be able to benefit customers or, or just something to tell the customers? Well, as, I, as, I, as I kind of said earlier, I think it's more the customers are looking to us for guidance. And they, some, as I mentioned, some are proactive, some find out. Others are like, can you tell me what's going on? Yeah. So we get various from customer to customer. Yeah. All right, then. There you go. Guys, thanks very much for your time. Cheers. So uh, we're just joined by Nick. Uh, and uh, he was at the uh, uh, Tech Little today, and he's going to give us a... What, what did you think of it? What did you make of it all? Because there's lots of messages there. It's, it's been a while since I've been. Um, Iwan's still on the well, agenda of everyone. Yeah, 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 we still keep yeah. talking about it, don't we? Yeah. Software-defined networks, always going to be around. Uh, bigger piece of networking nowadays than it ever used to be. Yeah. Um, and applications that you can use to actually enrol perform your network functions without actually having to do CLI from day one. You know, the fact that network engineers don't have to play with 10 anymore, they've got to be able to think about out of the box, think more about virtualization, the effects on how things are working. It's not necessarily the underlying 10 that's around it, it's how you get data from A to B. Yeah. So it's what you can do, how you can manage those paths, how you can see where it's going. Yeah, great visibility. Yeah, well, what, what did you get? What did you think of the uh, the DNA messaging that was sort of sort of started the day off? And uh... um, you got to think that there's going to be a reduction in 
legacy ways of doing things. Yeah. You've got to start thinking more about how you can be doing it better, yeah. smarter. Um, maybe the, the word agile is overly used. Because yeah. everybody's saying it's got to be quicker, it's got to be that. It's got to be appropriate for the role. Yeah. So. And what do you mean by appropriate for the role? So, what parts will you think agility doesn't sort of. So, I work in an environment that has full UAT plus then going into production. Yeah. So agility there might mean that yes, you get to UAT quickly, but it's being able to deliver that correctly and then then mirror it into production. Yeah. So you don't necessarily get an agile. You don't want agile all the way from conception all the way. Next thing you know, it's it's out in front of a user and everyone's running it because there'd be too much bugs and things like that yeah so you, it's got to at least go through exactly. its steps but you can maybe agile to get to the pre-implementation stages yeah. so you can get through those steps maybe quicker, quicker. Purely, as in the transition between the steps can be yeah. quicker because you can the automation the fact, and then when it comes to delivering it your automate, automation if you've got it right in UAT yeah. will actually speed the production implementation yeah but you it's maybe takes you a little longer in UAT to get there yeah so, what did he? Um, what did you think of uh, ENFE? Sort of that that virtualization piece. Um, having worked on virtualization for God knows how long now. Oh yeah, yeah, because your your background. We yeah. spoke earlier on, and you you said you worked at a. I, I used to work for a competitor. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. On, on network virtualization uh, yeah. as a support engineer, and um, so it's not a scary thing. This is where network engineering is the bit where you go. It's the background fundamentals. How does data get from A to B? Yeah. It's not a reliance on knowledge of Tim anymore. Yeah, so that's the thing, isn't it, that, that stuck out to me, is that you still need to know how routes moves. You still need yeah. to know how to integrate it with the firewall. You still need to be able to understand switching. and All those things need to happen, but you're just doing it in software. Yeah, and it's not a challenge, just because you're not getting a console cable out anymore. That's a good thing. I don't know. You're I don't know. Like, you're still, you're still <laughs> good it? to go and hide in a comms room occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know where you are. Yeah, that's good. That's walk, true. That's a fair point. Walk back with your laptop under your arm, console cable in your hand. Everybody just thinks, yes, you've just been having some fun playing with a kit. Yeah, yeah. fair but, enough. But no, uh, network virtualization is what's happening a lot of. It's a big thing across the globe. It's going to cut down on costs. Yeah. But it also means it's going to you know, increase uh, network engineers' viability. Yeah. We're, not, we're not a dead art. No, not at all. I mean, and coming from a, a network engineering background and predominantly mainly in Wi-Fi as well, but it's still that you still got to know the principles of what you're doing. You're still got to be able to do it. It's just going to make it easier because you don't have to sit there with stacks and stacks of equipment all the time because yep. you've virtualized it all. Yeah, and again, once you've virtualized it, as long as your documentation is spot on. Ah, that still can't, that still can't <laughs> change it because you've got to know what you've done and yeah. when you've done it. Or walk into an environment where somebody is able to explain what you've got and why it hangs together as it does. Yeah. It's the same whether it's physical or virtual at that stage. So people are going to have to be more aware of how the virtual environment affects their physical environment. That's a... It's a, the, other, the other angle to it. Everybody thinks that the physical has an effect on the virtual. No, it's the virtual's effect on the physical. Yeah. VXLAN overlay, you don't have to worry about what you've got in between. As long as you've got everything talking from one end to the other, yeah. it doesn't matter what you've got. It can just be a flat, one VLAN. Network, because it's your segmentation, your separation's all done, done in, in that way. Yeah, and, and everything's done at the virtualization way. Wow. So that's another great. way of thinking of it. It is, isn't it? So. And that's, uh, that's a story for another day, I'm sure, because I know yeah. we've got some stuff developing in that area as well. well. Wait to see. Wait to see. Nick, thank you very much. That's, that's okay. been brilliant. Thank Thanks you. for your time. That's all right. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.
So thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Cisco Technology Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. It's a bit different this time, obviously without Mark, and uh, doing some off-site recording. A bit noisy, I know, but uh, hopefully you managed to hear everything okay and hope you enjoyed it. So thanks very much for listening and see you on the next podcast.